And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast in September. It's been a while. Nothing happened. Well, some things kind of happened, but really nothing happened. James Harden, still a sixer, still unhappy, repeating for emphasis that he will never play for a team with Daryl Morey involved again. Let me repeat that, Bobby Marks. I shall not, will not ever play for a team with Daryl Morey again. Still a sixer. Damian Lillard, still a trailblazer. The Miami Heat, still waiting for the phone to ring, looking at the phone, looking for Joe Cronin's caller ID to come up. Nope, still, no, it's not him. Still nothing. Team USA lost to Lithuania. Who cares? We beat Italy today by a million points. We're in the semifinals. We're in the Olympics with what is, I don't want to be rude about it, but kind of our B team or B plus A minus team. The A team is laying in wait for Paris 2024. France, hosts of those Olympics in 2024, pooped right out of the group stage. Rudy Gobert, I think, had like four points in the entire freaking thing. Uh, That wasn't great. They get one Banyama, though, and maybe Joel Embiid. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot to talk. Oh, and Giannis, Giannis said some stuff. Bobby Marks, how are you? I'm good. It's the, uh, first week of, uh, September, better known as for those guys who's asked to be traded. Oh my, I have three weeks and I have to come to training camp. <laughs> that's what, that's what some people want to bring their kids back to school or they've already bring brought their kids back to school. But for the Damian Lillard, James Harden of the world, they're looking at the calendar saying, oh boy, media day is three weeks away and I've got to go to training camp. Did you run into Jimmy Butler at all? Do us open? No, I, my seats were not in the uh, same area where Jimmy Butler was. I didn't have uh, the, uh, the same access. <laughs> you know, here's, here's my tennis take. I, I, I like that the U.S. Open crowd is a little boorish, okay? And I and I don't have any sympathy for the players who are like, oh, my God, they're so noisy and impolite. They don't know how to be proper tennis fans. Someone, someone made a noise while I was trying to serve. How could I possibly execute my toss that I've done four million times with somebody burping in the crowd? I like the boorish fans. Are you a boorish fan? You make a little noise in there. Oh, I love. We were on the grandstand watching uh, Ben Shelton, who is the up and coming youngster, um, play mixed doubles, and it felt like you were at a rock concert. It was tremendous. Like it was great. The atmosphere was great. You go, you go into Ash. Um, it's a little bit more of a, you know, don't sit down until the ch- the point of you know the change of point. And um, so, no, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a heckler. I'm not a heckler, but I. Uh, I, I I enjoy cheering on. Uh, let's start with James Harden, who, while I was blissfully uh, chilling out in Croatia, called Daryl Morey a liar and uh, vowed twice that he would never play for a team that Daryl Morey is involved with ever again. Of course, Daryl Morey is the president of basketball operations of the Philadelphia 76ers, and James Harden is on the Philadelphia 76ers, and it will have to report to Philadelphia 76ers training camp in a matter of uh, weeks. The NBA then reopened an investigation into, or I guess opened a second investigation into James Harden's entanglement with the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, according to the reporting and what has now been made public, uh, a fined James Harden $100,000 for what the NBA deemed approaching the level of a public trade request uh, and, and and signaling that there was at least one 
type of team that he would never, ever go to. And this comes on the heels of, of course, the memo they sent about Damian Lillard's agents trying to dissuade teams that are not the Miami Heat from trading for Damian Lillard. And then according to the reporting, um, the investigation, robust investigation, uh, found that James Harden's source of anger, his motivation for calling Daryl Morey a liar, his motivation for his declaration that he will not play for Daryl Morey's team ever again, was uh, based on a the notion that uh, he expected or was told that he would be traded very quickly after stunningly opting into his contract for $35 million on July 1st, and of course has not been traded. Um, and so that is where we are with James Harden. Um, I will just open the floor to you. Well, uh, before I do that, um, people of course remember that James Harden signed a one plus one with the Philadelphia 76ers in the offseason of 2022 at a number significantly lower than his max. I believe $12 million lower, Correct. Bobby. Yeah, um, Roughly, And yep. that just so happened to have given the 76ers the flexibility to sign P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, uh, former Rockets with James Harden, to contracts of various exception amounts. The NBA did investigate that whole series of events docked the Sixers two second round draft picks, not pointedly, not for promising James Harden any pot of gold at the end of that one plus one rainbow, but instead for negotiating early with PJ Tucker and Daniel House Jr. If the NBA's current slash recent investigation is indeed concluded with that $100,000 fine, it was never explicitly stated that that fine marked the end of the investigation, Bobby, but I, I, my educated assumption is that that was it then there has still been no finding that the 76ers either in the 2022 offseason or during the 2022-23 season with James Harden's opt-in opt-out looming made any sort of explicit agreement or promise to pay him any sort of maximum contract of any length or any kind of contract at all um and so that's where we are unhappy James Harden I'll leave the floor open for you what, what are your takeaways from this whole soap opera and, and or what do you expect to happen in the next plot twist of the soap opera? I, I would say that an investigation is never concluded. It's never finalized as far as, you know, we, you know, as far as they can say he's been fined. I'm just going back to, to this my is why I, This is why I have asked the NBA pointedly, is it over? No, and I haven't it, gotten it, any it, it clarity isn't. yet. And, here, and here's why. And, I'll, and I'm going to go back to 2013 when I was in Brooklyn when we got investigated for Andre Kirilenko. And uh, remember, Kirilenko had opted out of, um, I think it was like $10 million, and we signed him for the tax mid-level. At that point, it was like three. Um, and when you have a Russian owner and a guy leaves $7 million on the table, you're going to get investigated, right? Like that's the reality of it. And I remember because I was the point person when the league sent the notice they sent they sent a letter right and i remember getting the letter saying we have found that the you know the brooklyn nets have found no wrongdoing they're not going to be fine there's no um, draft pick penalties however this investigation is not you know this is not final like if we find any more information down the road we will reopen the investigation and i, I think have that's i have been told that that yes. we always reserve the right yep. if something new comes across our desk to reopen an investigation even into the same specific discrete topic that we already investigated. Yeah. So even though they were, you know, docked, you know, two second round picks a year ago and all of a sudden, like, let's say, you know, when James Harden goes, 
you know, tell, you know, goes national and says that, you know, Dal Moore is a liar. Um, you know, the league is looking at well, what is he lying about? Right. Was he lying about, was there a contract promise? Was there a trade? Um, I think, you know, Harden's belief is that certainly when he opted in that he was eventually going to be traded. Um, I don't know any general manager that would tell a player, yes, we are going to trade you and no matter what, like, you know, I'm sure there was a conversation where it was like, we will trade you if it benefits us. Like that's the conversation that you're going to have. And I think with, uh, with, with James Harden and we, we've talked about it. Um, I, you know, with that, with the withholding um, services clause, that's in the collective bargaining room. That, that's, that's something that's not new. Like, I don't like, I, I saw a lot of people write about like, Oh my God, the new CBA. The new CBA has got all this bite in it that, you know, there's this clause in there and stuff like, no, that's something that was there. We, oh, we, I was we, the first one to write yeah. about it. And I said in that story, this is not a new clause. It's been in there for a long time. And the clause, to, to, to be clear for people who may not remember or know about it, is if you are in the final year of your contract, which James Harden is and pointedly Ben Simmons was not when that situation happened. Uh, and you withhold services from your team for 30 plus days withholds it. Now I'm not sure exactly when the clock on that starts. Maybe, you know, that team has the ability to block you from entering free agency the, the following off season or signing with any team anywhere in any league on earth that pays you money to play basketball. So James Harden is coming to camp. His representatives now know about that clause. If they didn't before, they probably did. He's coming to camp. The only question is, at what effort level is he coming to camp? Yeah, what, you know, what, you know, his agent has been on record saying that, you know, that this, he feels that James Harden's going to have an MVP type year. Now, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to come out and say, I don't see that one happening, Bobby. Don't see, yeah. don't see James Harden having, being in the top three of the MVP. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think the clock starts, I believe it starts on training camp. You know, when, once, you know, that's basically the first day of official business when training camp opens and, I guess what it's late, late September here. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting with, with Harden in that, you know, we talked about the withholding clause and that, you know, basically I, both sides need each other. I I, I really do. I, I mean, I think if um, for Philadelphia, if they're going to move him or for Philadelphia to be competitive this year, um, they're going to need something of value of James Harden, either himself or something that's coming back um, in a trade. Um, the Harden situation is interesting just because we've put a lot of, or Philadelphia, I guess, has put a lot of eggs in the basket of cap space, right? We, we, they, we've, you know, there's no Tyrese Maxey extension uh, because his free his free agent hold next year is at thirteen million dollars, and they want to preserve um, room. What's interesting, and I kind of did a little research on, is that Daryl Morey, um, they're the president of the Sixers, is not known for building rosters with cap space. Like, it's just not there. I mean, he signed Dwight Howard, Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. Those are the three players that he has signed here. He's had cap space three times during his career, including back in back in Houston here. And um, I'm writing something for, I think, for next week. And I said, like, what Philadelphia has to be careful is that based on what happens with, you know, maybe guys like Pascal Siakam, guys who are extension eligible, they, may, they might be staring at the three top free agents might be players on their own roster with Maxi Harden and Tobias Harris. Like you have to be, you know, I know Drew Holiday and we'll talk about him down the road and, you know, um, LeBron's got a, um, you know, what the player option and there's some other players, uh, OG and an OB guys like that. But that's what you have to be careful with is that they're relying on $65 million in cap space or 70, you know, whatever the number is going to be 
um, to go into free agency next year. And I think if you're going to move Harden, you want to go out and maybe go out and get guys that are under contract, right? Like expirings really don't do anything for you here. And um, it's, but for Harden, and I, but, and I agree with you, Harden's got to come into camp. Um, and I, and I think, you know, there's no benefit of, you know, for him to basically sit out and hold out um, because we've, we've talked about the financial ramification then, you know, and then there's the Embiid factor, right? I mean, that's the, you know, that's the thing that's going to hang over. I, I just don't see this ha- being a, um, what do we call it? A gap year or a bridge year to 2024. I don't see Joel Embiid sitting through. He's like, you know what? I've got four years left where I'm okay being the six seed. Um, I'm okay being a playing team. I'm okay with two out of the last three years of complete chaos. Ben Simmons two years ago, now James Harden. Um, because just because he's in your one of the supermax, as you know, doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. So on cap space, Daryl Morey has gone on record and said, you know, the NBA is entering a period where there are just not going to be good teams with cap space. There's just even, even the, um, you know, Tim Bontemps, uh, a few weeks ago on the hoop collective kind of urged in a, in a scorching take, a singeing my eyebrows through my phone take, uh, said the Cavaliers should trade Donovan Mitchell because he's never going to sign an extension there. And the, and, and the sort of the other end of that, which I don't believe Tim said, was, well, the Knicks are lurking as, as another place that he has historically wanted to go. The Knicks are probably not going to have cap space to sign Donovan Mitchell. So Daryl Morey has, has said, we want to be the only good team with cap space. That's a powerful weapon for us. To your point about taking guys back under contract, if they decline options on everyone including like Paul Reed's non-guarantee, yeah. if they just wipe away that and find a home for Tucker somehow as an $11 million player option, they can take back in a James Harden trade like $30 million of salary. So let's say a Norman Powell who's 20 plus, uh, I mean, 20, 30 might be a little much actually because Powell plus man together gets them out of a max contract slot, but maybe 25 million and still have enough for one max slot. They don't have two max slots as we've talked about the Philly two max slot thing is a myth. Uh, they they're close ish, but close doesn't get you to two max slots. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about the Clippers, um, who are the really the only team that I think has really been in this. I know that Howard Beck and others have stated that there may be two or three other teams that have been sniffing, investigating and certainly if you talk to the Sixers they have sort reason to say oh no there's a broad frothy James Harden market out there I really don't think there is I think it's been mostly the Clippers I'm sure other teams have checked in um we'll, we'll get back to them so on this on the Sixers side I have a couple of thoughts number one I think you just sort of indirectly nailed it part of the reason why this has to be so frustrating for Philadelphia and their fans, probably even more for their fans, is that I'm looking at the Eastern Conference right now. And yeah, you know, we had a 3-2 lead against Boston and blew it. Yeah, our two best players, as they have generally done, underperformed in the biggest, biggest game. Again, particularly Harden, who had two great playoff games and just stinkers all around that. Well, I'm looking at the East, I'm thinking... All right, Boston just sort of reoriented their entire roster around a big man who's missing the FIBA World Cup because of his plantar fasciitis, and he's always had foot injuries and leg injuries and stuff that he's got to deal with. We'll see how that goes. Boston's going to be awesome either way, right? As long as they have those two guys and they re-sign Jalen Brown um, and all that, they're going to be awesome. But, like, there's a little uncertainty there. Milwaukee, 
for all this hardened melodrama, the most important thing that happened this entire summer was Giannis Antetokounmpo coming out in the New York Times and essentially saying, I'm not signing my extension when I'm eligible, which is not, not really news, and I'm not signing it, period, if I don't think this team is all in to win a championship, and more importantly, in a realistic position to win a championship. Now, they were the number one seed last year. Giannis got hurt in the first game of the playoffs. They end up losing to Miami in horrific fashion, four games to one, despite Giannis coming back in the middle of the season. They're going to be in the inner circle of contenders this season after re-signing Brooke Lopez, re-signing pretty much everyone relevant, Middleton. Um, Giannis is healthy after having knee surgery, um, I believe, in the offseason. But anytime a good team, and especially a good team that has had a couple of disturbing playoff eliminations in the last, around a championship run, Right, every other playoff elimination, two two of them in particular, have been disturbing. The, the Celtics won when Middleton was hurt. They played great, fine. Then they won the championship the year before that. A team with a coming off a a playoff performance that makes you question, like what happened here? Like what? Where was the fortitude of this team? Why why did it just totally melt down in fourth quarter after fourth quarter and freeze up and just glitch? Anytime a team like that has something like what Giannis said hanging over them, I get very, very nervous because that makes for a very pressurized season, a season where every three-game losing streak is Armageddon, where just the, 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 the flap of the butterfly wings can cause chaos. And so I'm feeling I'm looking at a world where like, hey, the two teams that were kind of better than us last year in the regular season, at least, there's a world in which they're worse this year or shakier or more uncertain. Miami still doesn't have Damian Lillard lost some guys off their team, gave Vincent Max Struess, et cetera. If we could just get our together. Yeah. We, we haven't made the conference finals in a million years and yeah, we've got some issues of big games, but like it's there for us. And you know what? They don't have their together. And do you know why they don't have their together, Bobby? I don't really that? know why, but it's just every goddamn year with the Sixers. It's just constant. It's been 10 years of just chaos almost every offseason. Last offseason in 2022, ironically, the one they got docked draft picks for was a great offseason. Relatively copacetic. They made smart signings. Everything was good. They lined up their team, blah, blah, blah. Other than that, it's just chaos all the time from Sam Hinkie getting shoved out maybe not provided enough support when he got the job anyway. Now we can quibble with a lot of the stuff that Sam did and how he can, how he did the job, but still um, the Colangelo era was kind of messy. There was like the Brett Brown is the GM interregnum and are the, how, how involved are some of the owners? Uh, there was hiring Doc Rivers before hiring Daryl Morey. Uh, there was the, I, I mean, I don't want to say mismanagement, but there was a Jimmy Butler versus Brett Brown versus Ben Simmons thing that they decided to resolve by jettisoning, jettisoning the clearly most valuable of those three people in terms of building a championship-level basketball team and getting Al Horford and Josh Richardson in return, essentially. It's just been a mess constantly. The Simmons thing, now the Harden thing. Um, you know, we don't even have to get into Fultz and Zaire Smith and all the stuff that has gone wrong. And I guess the question I would have, Bobby, is... At what point do we start asking questions about the ownership of the Sixers? Like for every other franchise, if they had experienced 10 years of this, people would be like, wait a second, 
who's actually running this? Like, where does the buck stop? If this were Mark Cuban, and it has been Mark Cuban for more serious reasons than this, people would start asking questions about the owner. Why is there just never any talk about Josh Harris and Dave Litzer and all the other guys who are running and Michael Rubin? Like, what was the Michael Rubin thing? Michael Rubin's owning the team. He's posting on Instagram with Harden. Now he doesn't own the team anymore. He sold his interest in the team. Why is there never any talk about this? And by the way, they've won lots of games. I don't really think that that's a a huge thing to be proud of because when you tank four seasons and draft one to four every year, in like eight years, you should win a lot of games. Like the minimum is like being a, a good team, which they've been. So that's one of my questions. When do I? I don't. This it's kind of a black box ownership. Why are we? The guy just bought the Commanders. Well, and that's the thing is now how invested right now. Your your a lot of your attention is going to probably go to that Washington team. And listen, anytime you go through uh, two out of the last three years, two, two of your best, you know, outside of Embiid, basically have wanted out. You've gone through, um, you've gone through Brett Brown, Doc Rivers. Now you're on to on to Nick Nurse here. Um, you know, you went from a team that was a Kawhi Leonard, you know, buzzer beater to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, to a team now that we are questioning as far as what this team will look like a year from now, and none of us, um, none of us know. And I think, as you said, like that's the hesitancy. Like they can go out and move Harden. Right. You can go out and move and probably for three expirings in a, in a draft pick here. But there's so like Harding controls so many different variables here um, that if 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 you're the ownership group, you're you. I think you do have to look yourself in the mirror. I think if you're Daryl, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. Like, what have I you know what? Like, like what has gone wrong here? Because it's been, you know, really, as you said, like post Harden trade and um, was it February of 22? Up until, I guess this past off season, it's there was a calm, right? There was a somewhat of a of a calm here, um, and you're you're you know a game away from uh, from the Eastern Conference Finals, and now back we're we're back to chaos, right? Like we're back to like like I think this is I think this is more chaotic right now than I think it was prior to, with, with than uh, two years ago Ben Simmons. And I, as I you really said, the, the stakes are everything. The stakes are the whole era of the Drew Holiday trade on the 2013 draft until today. That's the stakes because that trade kickstarted everything that has led to an MVP center taking you as far as he's taking you, which is not as far as he wants to go and as the team wants to go. If they mess the Harden thing up or if Harden messes the Harden thing up or the basketball gods punish everybody by messing the Harden thing up, it could all be over. And all of that losing and all of the team building could end up with all the number one picks who forgot out to shoot gone other places. The the high pick who really worked out maybe requesting a trade to another place and you being right back where you started 10 years ago without having made a conference finals and having to watch your beloved homegrown superstar center who you embraced, embraced the town and I don't think wants to be traded out of Philadelphia. Now, that said, again, like I've been saying for months, like keep an eye on it. This is the situation to talk about is Joel Embiid. I think in his heart of hearts, he'd love to win in Philly, just like Damian Lillard would have loved to live in, win in Portland. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. And like you, you might, the whole thing is at stake and you might have to end up watching that dude play for 
team X, Y, and Z in the Eastern Conference in the end years of his prime. Like that's that's what's at stake. Well, and 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 you know, we're sitting here in early September, like a month from now or two months from now, when when it you know when camp starts and we get into the regular season in Philadelphia, let's say is three three and seven, like like that's a lot different than sitting here you know in in early September on a you know on a on a Tuesday Wednesday morning here, like like then it gets then that gets that gets real here, and I just think. Like the whole cap space thing is like I love talking about, it, but it's fool's gold. I mean, how many good teams? I know Durant going to Golden State, and that was certainly because of the spike. Um, but how many teams? Denver. When you look at Milwaukee, you know teams that have won championships here. You know certainly that Toronto team. Um, you know the Lakers in the bubble was different. You know they did get a LeBron with cap space, but I guess Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn getting Durant and Irving that year is that that's a that's like hitting the lottery. Like that does not happen here. Well, the Heat, the Heatles. The Heat, yeah, the Heat back in two thousand, you know, ten, and that turned into two championships. Certainly, um, but like they, they go out and say, you know what, we're gonna get we have sixty five, seventy million dollars, and and we're gonna get two guys, or we're gonna get three guys here, like that. If you're relying on that, man, like, well, I think it's a li- in fairness to Daryl and the Sixers, I think it's a little different if in the door you have an MVP. And a second cornerstone player in Maxi, and I don't think they're off base to believe that Maxi has another big level to hit and could be a cornerstone kind of player. I don't know what that means. I don't. I don't know if all NBA seems like a lot, but he, if you told me he made a few All Star games, a couple All Star games, I could see that. I, I don't think, and I, and in, in, in fairness too, to feel like I don't think they have a choice. Right. Like, I don't think they have a choice to go the cap space game just based on how their roster is built. When you look at the two guys with Maxi and Embiid, and then everyone else will be a free agent. Like, if your intent is to bring Tobias Harris back, then that's fine. If your intent was to bring back James Harden back, that's fine. But if your intent isn't, then you have to go out and look at what's available outside of those two players. The irony is. I- you just said if your intent is to bring James Harden back. And this is what I wanted to go back to. The idea that so so the NBA's investigation, you know, finds that maybe because James says this in the investigation, I don't know the particulars of it. We're not privy to that. Finds that the source of James Harden's rage, the source of the motivation for being so mad at Daryl to come out and publicly shame him that way is that he hasn't been traded since opting in on July 1 or June 30, whatever date it was. That just doesn't pass the smell test. That's just It just does not pass the smell test. Um, he, he opted in and was already mad. The reporting when he opted in, Woj said it was, has likely played his last game for the Philadelphia 76ers. He was already mad. He was mad before he even had a chance to not get traded quickly, um, which raises the question of like, okay, what what's he mad about? And so... What he's obviously mad about is he did not get a contract offer that he expected to get at the time he expected to get it. What does that mean? I don't know the particulars of what that means. It could just mean the very simple thing of, you know, uh, he wanted to negotiate early. He wanted the Sixers to negotiate early before the bell rung. They didn't, having been dinged for doing so the year before. Uh, They didn't maybe out of worry that whatever negotiating they would have done with James Harden, the Rockets who were looming as a threat all season, theoretical or real, who knows, would have trumped that offer. I I don't know. Um, The Sixers, 
obviously have been, you know, the first NBA investigation found no evidence that there was any kind of promise of max deal here, years here, whatever, any deal at all. But clearly, the the idea that he's mad because he hasn't been traded, that that's really the source of the anger, that does not pass the smell test to me. Does it pass the smell test to you? No, I mean, I think what what he's mad about is that he declined a a a $47 million contract, uh, you know, and opted out and took $14 million less for them to go out and sign P.J. Tucker and Daniel House with the thought was that he, if he played at a high level this year, and he certainly had a good year, that he would be rewarded with a long-term lucrative contract here. And and I I think they were going to offer him. Well, a, and what's, a good a, something good and big. I don't know if it would have been as long as he would have wanted or as much as he would have wanted, but there was going to be something on July when at first or whatever it was. What and what's ironic is is that if this was a year from now, we probably are not talking about this situation because under the this new collective bargaining agreement, starting next year, you can start negotiating with your own free agents once the NBA finals are over. So. What happened with Philadelphia was that they're basically in a holding pattern like everyone else until June 30th, right? So, and they, based on them getting dinged last year and getting uh, investigated with Tampa, and they said, you know what? We're going to go buy the book here, right? Like we are waiting. You know what, James, you, if you opt out, we're going to, we're, we'll negotiate a new, you know, something new. And his, his thought was that, well, what is that new? You didn't know what that number was. And that was the hesitancy of becoming a free agent. That's why he took the, you know, secured, you know, whatever that thirty-five million dollar well, number. And, al- and also, um, it, 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 it clearly he's had his eye on the Clippers, both as a place to end up next season and a place that may be the most lucrative place for him long term. And there was no way he could have got signed and traded to the Clippers because the Clippers are so far through the second apron or whatever that they can't do that. So. This was his one way to try to get to the Clippers. The other thing, Bob, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What else were you going to say? No, that was it. That's all. That no, just he, about he, the, the rule. The, the rule change. You know, the, you know, the rule change would have given him that you know that a uh, 12 day window to get something to get something done if this was a year from now. You know what? I never really got a satisfactory answer to. Like, what happened in Brooklyn? Like, if I'm the Nets, I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for like. A, a Watergate level investigation of everything. Like what happened? Why did he want to go to Philly all of a sudden? Was it really just Kyrie being unavailable? Uh, the vaccination thing, everything being a mess. Like I, that, I feel like I never really got a satisfactory answer to like, was it really just, you know, I mean, Philly's interest in, in him was well known by that time. Obviously they were a candidate to trade for him before the Nets did. Uh, the Nets swooped in and, and got him. Um, I, I would just want it. I just felt like that. It's it's ancient history now. The Nets are incredibly well set up, considering um, the uh, disadvantageous position they appeared to be in, getting getting off of their three foundational stars, the greatest team that never was. Um, so it's all ancient history. There, that Brooklyn is set up. I felt like I just never. There's a lot of noise, and I felt like I never got a real answer to it. Well, and it's it's funny because it and it wasn't like. That was that 21-22 season. Like Harden was tremendous. I mean, I remember those Christmas games. I think it was um, the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, he basically when Kyrie was out and Durant, I think might have been injured. Like he basically carried that team. So what happened from like January one to so it was a month to to all of a sudden for him thinking, you know what? 
I'm not going to sign an extension. There's too much chaos here. Um, I want out. Like what, like who poisoned, it's basically who poisoned the well, right? Like who got him thinking that this was not going to be the place to be. Now I have heard to come back to present times that, you know, obviously if he reports to camp, everyone's going to be watching. Like, is this going to be a situation where he's loafing? He's unhappy. He's pouting. He's undermining the team. I have heard that his relationships with his teammates are remain good. He likes playing with Embiid, although there's obviously been this push and pull of like, do I get to play Harden ball or do I have to play set up Embiid ball? What's the right balance? Um, I, I've heard, I think the reporting that his initial meetings with Nick Nurse went well uh, is is legit. Like there there are parts of that organization that he likes. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see. And, and you mentioned the Clippers and, you know, the Clippers have two first round picks to trade. They have Terrence Mann to trade and they have Norm Powell and then they have a bunch of expiring contracts that frankly don't really help the Sixers that much. I'm sorry. Apologies to Robert Covington and Marcus Morris. They're they're two, three years ago. They were nice plug and play role players around a Joel Embiid that the two or three years later, uh, they were on the fringes slash out of Ty Lue's rotation last year. Maybe they'll get back in it this year. Robert Covington uh, talked to my buddy Law Murray about that a couple weeks ago about how he's going to have a, a comeback kind of season. Um if I had to guess based on history and, and what Daryl Morey has said publicly, I would bet that Daryl Morey values those two first round picks, especially if they're unprotected, higher than Terrence Mann or Norm Powell, even though he can take one of those guys and still have max cap room this summer. Um, just because his whole thing is what gets me the star. And and I think just as um, when he traded Kyle Lowry for a first round pick way back with the Rockets in pursuit of the star that became James Harden, his thought was a very juicy draft pick is more valuable on the trade market than an okay to good player. And Terrence Mann's an okay to good player. I think that's actually selling Terrence Mann short. I think he's going to be really good and would fit well with the Sixers. But my point is, if the Clippers were to put both first round picks in, with Mann, without Mann, even without maybe, I think there's a deal somewhere I think there's a two-team deal that exists that the Sixers would do um I don't think the two teams have been anywhere close to any of that kind of deal and which is why I think the only play I see for the Sixers here is bring him to camp hope the better angels of his nature take over if that's even a possible thing he plays pretty well and the Clippers and some other teams with high expectations sputter over their first 20 games and get desperate. And then we'll get the offer that we need. I, I That seems to be the off ramp here, unless I'm missing something. No, I think you're I think for the Clippers, I think if you're looking at them, is James Harden worth um, two first round picks? And I think for them, you know, who else out there? Who's going to be another disgruntled guy out there? Like. So if we use both, we've got nothing left, right? Like we're 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 basically we're we're tapped out. Like, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like, what happens in Chicago? Like with like Demar Derozan, for example, he's extension who, who, eligible now, right? He's extension eligible now. Four for I think one seventy is the most. He's going to be a, a free agent next off season. If you're looking at like that situation, does does Demar Derozan fit better than James Harden with this group here? Uh, at maybe a little bit less of a cost, maybe, you know, who knows what the hard number will be next year here. And I think 
going down the the two first round pick route is like you know that this is kind of you know who we are again right like we we kind of started to restore our draft equity a little bit post um post Paul George trade um and both those guys you know George and Leonard could be you know of course free agents because they've got player options here um do we have to keep a little bit and you know that that powder still dry as far as you know not moving both because as I, as you said like if they if they put both if they would ever put both on the table, I think there was there is a deal you know certainly to be to to be made. Well, I think the Clippers. It's very simple. You have to ask yourself a question: Do we still think we're good enough? Yeah. And I think reasonably the answer has to be no. I, I just think you can't count on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being healthy together long enough, sustainably enough, and at the right times. And yeah, you can go through the Western Conference and say. You know, who are we terrified of? Even the Nuggets lost the two most important players off their bench, arguably, uh, two of the three anyway. Um, but, you know, everyone in the West is good. And it's one thing to say there's no juggernaut that we're terrified we can't beat this team four out of seven. Even Phoenix, like if you're the Clippers optimist, you can say we pushed them pretty hard without either of our stars in, in the first round of the playoffs, harder than they expected anyway. But like, the goal when you trade all the picks and Shea Gilders, Alexander and all the swaps and everything and have a payroll the way it's been is not to win one playoff series is to win three or four. I believe they've won three combined in the entirety of the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George era. And, and just like, they're just never healthy at the same time when it matters. And so you either have to be content with being not good enough and keeping the draft picks and the young player stockpile where it is now and just, being a pretty good team who maybe you get real lucky health wise and then do whatever you do, or you're not content because you're moving into a new arena. You've invested so much in these guys. You only have so many trade chips to invest further into this team the way it is. And you, you make a move for Harden or somebody else. I think Harden fits better than DeRozan to, to answer your question just because of his playmaking. Um, but that's, that's the question the Clippers face. And I think we're far, I think the, like I don't really think that there's been a whole lot of dialogue really for the last couple of months between these two teams. No, I mean, and I think it goes back to like, once we start playing real games and the the standings start to dictate and there's a sense of desperation, or if there's a sense of like, you know what, we are James Harden away from, you know, in, you know, knock on wood, if Kawhi and Paul stay healthy, and it costs us Terrence Mann, you know, maybe it doesn't, you know, in, on, uh, on September, you know, whatever, fifth, it doesn't cost you Terrence Mann, but on February 1st, it does because we feel like we are a championship team and Terrence Mann's going to be a free agent in, in the summer of 2025. And, you know, um, you know, we're going to take the risk on, you know, going about doing that. Is there been anything on Dame? No, you know, Dame's interesting. I think, um, you know, there, there's been no conversations. It's been very quiet, certainly from the, from the Miami front. Um, um, I think the, there's the only way we hear more about Dame is if Dame makes it messy. And I don't think Damian Lillard right now is willing to make it messy in Portland. I've heard, no, again, I was away for a while, but I've, I've been back for a bit now making calls and catching up with people. I, I've heard there's been nothing. I yep. mean, like no meaningful dialogue at all. And more pointedly, and I know Brian Windhorst said something about this while I was on break. 
I, I just don't think there's been another team. I, I just don't, if there is, I don't know about it. And for, it, that could very well be the case. I may not know, but I have not heard of any other team that has really dove headlong or even halfway into the Dame Lillard sweepstakes, which is not really even a sweepstakes. If it's only one team and the team is not talking to the other team, there's no sweepstakes. Have you heard of any other? No, none, none. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, we talked to Philadelphia and you know, they've been pretty steadfast that Maxie's not involved. Um, you know, like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Tim Bontemps, Kevin Pelton, myself, Andre Snellings have a piece coming out in the near future where we just kind of look at t- different teams and different scenarios. And, you know, like you can run through them all. Um, you can run through Toronto and some of these other teams here, but there's really nothing like, you know, like everything has like a, like, let's just say hypothetical, like Toronto says, you know what? We want Dame, but in, and we're willing to trade OG. For example, I'm just throwing it out there. Like, well, what does that do for, you know, for, for Portland where, you know, you're basically going to have to, you're going to have to max him, you know, he's a uh, potential free agent next year. So that's what you have to be comfortable with. And I think at the end of the day, what Miami has to offer, whether it be hero um, in, in, in uh, Jovic and um, uh, Jacques, their first round pick this year, Jovic playing well for Serbia, really by well. the way, in the world yeah. cup. Really well. Um, and two first round picks or pick swaps. I think that's that's the best out there. And I think if you're Portland, you have to come to a realization like, you know what? Hero, the two young players and draft picks is going to be better than what you will get. Like that's like on July 1st, eh, it's probably a C-level offer. But, you know, come closer to the start of camp, like that's going to be as good. And are you willing to hold on to Damian Lillard into the season for a guy who's missed a ton of games. You know, certainly some of that is due to them shutting him down. Um, but there is that injury concern, um, you know, for players 33 years old. I mean, like, I mean, the, the value in, in for Miami, you're thinking, like, who are we, who are we actually bidding against? Like, we're not, we're not bidding against anybody here. Why are we going to overpay? Um, you know, uh, over what I mean is overpay is, is that, uh, all of a sudden, we're thinking about you know what we're going to put Caleb Martin in. The deal. All of a sudden, we're going to call Oklahoma City and and you know manipulate that draft pick. That's oh you know well, we're going to now be have three picks available to us because we're going to do something with that protection that's on there. Um, but you're but going back, there, there's been you know um, it's there's been nothing at all here, um, and it's it's very different than I think you know what happened last offseason with Kevin Durant, and then both sides came out and. Did a press release in middle August saying that we're gonna. I forgot about that press release. <laughs> with the no, with, it had the Kevin, <laughs> it had the KD thirty five boardroom logo and the That's Nets right. logo on it. That is oh right. man, that thing should go in the Hall of Fame. That thing that remember I I used to say that there should be like a Hall of Fame oddities wing or like a, a wing of absurdity. That press conference should be there. That press release rather should be there somewhere. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a little bit different than it's certainly a lot different than that here, but um, but you know, Dame, Dame did that interview with Mark Spears, um, you know, uh, for Anscape, and he was you know like he wasn't you know he was very polite, I would say, during it, but he said I don't I don't want to talk about Portland, like I don't want I don't I'm not talking about Portland here. So yeah, there's not like, a lot of upside to him making public comments about the. No, there right isn't because the league has already investigated, and certainly with Aaron Goodwin and whether he was telling teams he wouldn't be traded here. I always believe that Damian Lillard will report. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, maybe I'm foolish, but I'm. If there's not a deal in uh, at the end of September, which I don't think there will be, I think Damian Lillard will 
uh, I think he'll be in training camp and, and hopefully there's uh, eventually something gets figured out here. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to rehash everything, but we've gone through the teams that made any kind of theoretical sense. And, you know, the three team trade with the Sixers, the Clippers and the Blazers, let's leave that aside. But like, I never thought Boston uh, for Jalen Brown anyway, was made any sense. Really. I didn't, I, I always said that was, a was an almost a non-starter. Is there a Boston deal without that? I don't, Boston hasn't been active in this New York. People bring up Stephen A brings up all the time. And I've just said, I, Jalen Brunson is pretty good. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not upending the apple cart of draft picks that I've carefully cobbled together for another point guard who's 33 years old. I'm just not, that's not the guy. He's a very good player. He'd help my team in the short term. Maybe you could convince yourself like the East is open-ish enough that it's almost, almost worth it. But I'm, I'm holding my cards if I'm, yeah, I mean, I, you, what you want is is that like Brooklyn gets off to a great start, like that's what you want. Like you know, and and, and we'll, we'll talk World Cup in a little while, but like you know, Bridges was awesome. Like you know, in the Italy game, like you want he got, that. He got team. teed up for taunting their bench after yet another three pointer. What? And I'm getting off well, of course here, but man, I missed the days when coaches got dressed up because those Italians look they look nice. I know you're shaking your head over here. They had those nice Armani suits on there. No, <laughs> I just I'm there's there, there there is there is going on within the league a a a a a coup a pushback a movement among a very vocal and passionate minority to bring the suits back to the sidelines. I am on team casual. I think they found the right balance of like uniformity with casual looks official enough. But look, some people like to look nice. I don't. I don't like to look nice. I like to. I like to look like a schlub. So I. I'm, I may be. Yeah, but Mikael Bridges is playing great. I think I had his stats up before. I think he's shooting like sixty-eight percent or something. In uh, let me bring it up now because I have it here. His his. Mikhail Bridges is shooting 63%, 74% on twos, and 50% on threes for a team USA. He's the second leading scorer on the team, actually. Yeah, so if you're if you're if uh, if you're Portland and, and you want Brooklyn to be like the three seed come closer to the trade deadline. Like they you want them being up there in the top four where they said, you know what? We weren't willing to do Damian Lillard in July. Now we are. Now we're willing to give up whatever the four first round picks and whatever the players Dinwiddie and whatever filler to, to get that. And um, so that's, that's like kind of what, you know, that would be the mindset of teams that weren't in the Lillard chase, or I guess none of the you know, outside of Miami that you want teams to play well, thinking that they are, you know, one player closer to winning a championship. Yeah. I have in my notes here, Brooklyn has always been the wild card to me in this because they have everything you would need. Um, and, and Dame has publicly kind of lusted after Bridges as a teammate that he would, along with Bam Adebayo, that he would like to play with. Um, my sense, and I've said this before, is I think the Nets would have a pretty robust internal debate about whether Dame is the guy to go for it with. Or, look, we just went through all this organizational trauma and we've actually come out the other side in pretty decent position. Can we just chill and see what we have, maybe bide our time for a player who's a little younger. I, I think there are definitely people within the organization who would lean that direction. Uh, and they've been linked as a potential third team in Dame trades, right? Like a place where Hero can yeah, go. Hero. And, maybe and even goes. like even going back to Hero, like if I was 
if I was Portland, and I know we, we talked at length about draft picks, like I would be fine with taking Hero back in a deal. And like if it's, you know, if it makes it less one, you know, if it's only two first round picks and three first rounds, and then figure out like what are Hero, Simons, like maybe you, you, you pivot off one of those two guys eventually later here. Like I don't think it's a, it's a, um, a deal breaker that, um, you have Anthony Simons on your roster with three years left on his contract, and you're getting another guy like Tyler Hero back, another you know a guard who's got four years left. Like do you know do it and then kind of figure it out later. You mentioned Toronto. I, I think there was, I think Portland and Toronto had some very vague and be, like preliminary is probably not the right word, but just like the kind of dialogue you have with every team at the draft. I think they had at the draft, but I don't think that was about Dame going to Toronto. I think it was about something else um, related. Maybe maybe like a way Portland could have restocked around Dame, but that never really went anywhere serious. And I don't see Toronto um, necessarily as a Dame fit, particularly they owe that pick to San Antonio that's protected for several years out because of the Pirtle. Well, and that, yeah, that, I mean, that's the other thing. Like if you're going to draft, if you're if, like, if you ever were in the Dame conversation, like you want to trade more draft picks for him. And then all of a sudden like Siakam leaves next year and you're like, uh Oh, I got Damian Lillard for $200 million left on his, you know, on his deal. Poor, Toronto, by the way, now you got me going on a bunch of his sides. Well, Toronto is that they're like, they're my ultimate wild card. Like they're like, they're you, you the mentioned, ultimate. you mentioned training camp and like all these teams, like what will happen at training camp? Toronto strikes me as a place where if like, and this is not based on any intel, this is just my personal speculation to be clear. Yeah, I would not be surprised if sometime in the next six weeks, something interesting happened in Toronto because the Siakam stuff has kind of died down, but his situation contractually remains the same. OG Ananobi is going to be a free agent. And the, the, the little... Like every every year around this time, I do a deep dive on all thirty rosters just for myself. Do it by position, draft capital. It just helps me get ready for the season. I did Toronto's the other day, and I was like, "What? I forgot the Gary Trent opt in, and then all this reporting that came right after that, like an extension was coming." And I was like, "Wait, that that, that never happened. Like the Gary Trent extension never happened. Is it still happening?" I poked around on that a little bit. Just a lot of balls in the air. For, for the Raptors. And maybe nothing happens. Maybe they just go through the season as is and play it out. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Well, and you you didn't even mention the one thing, and you were out of the country during this is the whole, and this hasn't been resolved yet, is the stuff with the Knicks. The lawsuit. That, I'm, you know, like I was, a, you know, when that happened, I was like the most popular man in Toronto. And I had people calling me, hey, can you talk? I'm like, well, I don't know what I can talk about here. I mean, like I've, it is what it is, right? Like, I mean, like, when you're bringing, when you hire somebody and you leave a company, usually you know you can. You're not really bringing a flash drive of thousands of plays. Well, <laughs> yeah. on the one hand, yes, okay, and I've read the complaint and I've read the the news around it and all that. I haven't logged into my, you know, court stuff to see if there's been any follow up. I don't think there has been yet. That was the one. So on the other, on the one hand, it's it sounds like oh my god, a lawsuit and like all this cloak and dagger, intel, flash drives, dates of importance and all that. And then you look at like what is alleged to have been given to the Raptors, and it's like plays on synergy and like some game plan stuff. It's like I could get that. Like that's not like that's not that interesting. Um, but who knows what the hell will happen. Um, the other thing you mentioned, Ben Simmons, and Mark Spears did a great yeah. interview with Ben Simmons on Anscape, one of the first big public interviews Ben Simmons has given in a long time. 
And he talked about how he feels healthy now. And, you know, what taking Ben Simmons at his word, I do think, and I've been guilty of it too, the health issues that he talks about, I think have been not given uh, the level of serious consideration that, again, taking him at his word, that they deserve. Because he's talking about how he couldn't jump off his knee, couldn't put any pressure on it, he couldn't get any elevation. He's obviously had back issues. He's told the story about how he couldn't get up the stairs one day. And I think in the rush, and I've been guilty of it too, to not ridic- I, I wouldn't say I've ever ridiculed Ben Simmons, others have, but just sort of nitpick his game, possession by possession, game after game. Perk is like he doesn't have the dog in him. I, I do think we kind of skirt over those injuries in a way that we wouldn't for other players. On the other hand, there's one question that I would ask Ben Simmons, just one, and that I would want, and, and this I won't ever interview him, probably in a big sit-down situation because this would be the first question I'd ask him, is are you afraid to get fouled? Or do you think you can make half your free throws? That's the only question that I, I don't like. It's If he's healthier, that's awesome. If he feels like he's going to be a point guard again, which, by the way, is interesting. Is he going to start for the Nets? If he starts, is who is who's coming out of the starting five? I have five from, like the backup. I have, him, I have him coming off the bench. I would guess he's expecting to start based on his public comments. Does that mean Dinwiddie's coming off the bench? Is Finney Smith coming off the bench? Who's coming off the bench? That's great. But if he, because he, he talked about how, like, I'm not going to be the dribble handoff guy. That's not who I am. I'm a point guard. I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Awesome. Like, if you think you can do that, he even talked about extending his range. And every time he talks about jump shooting, I just, just to put, put that one to bed. So we don't want to hear that. I don't want to see the videos from the Sixers practice facility. If you shooting threes, I don't care. It never happens. Never happens. Fine. But if you think you're going to have a great year, that's awesome. The one question that I want to hear and the only one that matters is, are you afraid to get fouled? Because if he's afraid to get fouled, nothing else matters. It's you, you become an offensive zero again. And defensively, he's really, really good. But Ben Simmons at the five doesn't work. He's too small. He doesn't rebound enough. He's not a rim protector like Draymond to do that full time. And Simmons plus Claxton died on the vine last year because of spacing issues. So I, I just thought that interview was interesting. Do you have any other takeaways from that? I thought that was, I thought that the, the, the most interesting thing is that he came out and said that he's just started playing two on two. Oh, I forgot I about thought, that part. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, that part of it, um, you know, like we haven't seen him and, you know, certainly we're, in the, we're still in the off season, you know, like he has not been playing. He's not been, I don't know, cleared, but to play five on five and that he's been playing a lot of two on two. I think that's that that was the, probably the most I don't you know whatever he says about dominating I don't really care um but that part was interesting to me. Yeah, I would settle for just shooting 70% at the free throw line. Dominating we can we can leave to the side. Yep. Team USA uh in Manila right now has made the semifinals of the FIBA World Cup. We've already qualified for the Olympics. Um our Olympic team will look at least a little different than the team that is trying to win the World Cup. I actually quite like this team. Um, I've been texting with some of the people that are over there about I like the construction of it. I think the starting five, which everyone knows, has kind of been shaky. I think it's a little short on playmaking. Yeah. And and that's why the team seems to come to life whenever Halliburton yeah. and Reeves come in. And he did in, in, in the Italy game. Um, you know, I think it was 10 8, and Halliburton came. You know, I think they switched lineups, and Halliburton came in and gave him a really, a really nice boost. Um, you know, to that group. Yeah. If there, if there are two, like Bridges has been awesome. and was awesome today. Yeah. If I'm a Pacers fan, 
I, Halliburton's only averaging nine a game, but his you know he's blowing away everybody in assists and he's shooting the hell out of it from everywhere. If I'm a Pacers fan, I'm so excited by how Halliburton looks. Now he's teams go at him a little bit on defense, but his on ball screen navigation defense is just so so he gets hung up. But he's working and he's working hard on switches because when Bancaro's in the game at the five. Or even when Jaron Jackson was in the game, which he's never in the game because he has two fouls two minutes into every game. Um, sometimes we were sw- we started switching more against Lithuania to try to take them out of their pick-and-roll game. Lithuania beat us by shooting 14 and 25 from three. I say we. I get into we mode talking about Team USA. My wife doesn't like that, by the way. When I start, when I start dropping us and we for Team USA, it doesn't go over great. Oh, yeah, um, I probably wouldn't go over well at the dinner table. Can you believe we didn't? We shot, you know, ten of seventeen. She's probably looking at you like, "What are you talking about?" I also was doing that. We watched a lot of Women's World Cup. On, oh, uh, I did on that vacation. too. Because my, my, da- my, my daughter is my daughter is super into it. When they missed the, um, because I was awake, my wife was sleeping, and I was so mad after penalty kicks. And I said to my wife, "Can you believe we didn't make two?" At-? And she's like, "Who's we? Like, when did you become a soccer fan?" I still, I still can't believe that whole shootout. By the way, um, I still don't, I, I still don't understand like how the ball went in. I guess it went in, uh, or went in enough. Uh, by the way, ultimate badass moment. And I haven't watched enough soccer to know how common or uncommon this is. When the goalies come up to take penalty kicks, it happened in another game too. I can't remember whose team it was that had a guy. I think it was men. Australia's goalie. Maybe came up well, and made I a penalty saw it kick. In, um, it was in uh, Inter in, was Inter Miami. Is that Messi's Messi's team? Yeah, I Miami, believe there I was mean. there was a shootout, and the goalie for Miami was kicking. That's badass. That's yeah. badass when the goalie gets up and like, all right, I got to do this. I got to give me a break from the most high stress part of my 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 whole career. I'm gonna just make a penalty kick now as an offensive player. Let me show you how it's done. Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, we we. I'd be thrilled if I were a Pacers fan. And I know, Ant has has you know he's missed some passes here or there, both on the ball and some some extra passes where he could ping it around. If I'm a Wolves fan. I just absolutely love how he's playing. Like he is so physically dominant. Teams are not even going under screens against him anymore because they have enough respect for his jumper and the FIBA three is a little shorter. He looks smooth. Um, his jump shot looks, he's only shooting 33% from three, but he's taking a lot. They look good. The long two is reliable. I think he's defending really, really hard on the ball. He tr- tried to bring us back against Lithuania, pressuring everybody off the ball. He guarded Vucevic for a little while against Montenegro. When we tried to, we with team Jose tried to use Jaron Jackson jr. As a Rover instead of the guy guarding Vucevic. He was, t- I, I, if I'm a Wolves fan, I'm like, look, Gobert did not to put it politely, did not have a good world cup. That trade is going to go down as a disaster, but towns looked good for the DR and ant looks like so much like the guy that I'm beyond excited. The team is, is, is look, I know ever whenever team USA loses, there's this like, Oh my God, they lost. They're five and one with an average scoring margin of plus 25. It hasn't been a murderer's row of opponents. And if we play Germany, we were playing the winner of Germany, Latvia in the next round, Germany has beaten the doors off yeah. of almost everyone. And Germany probably should have beaten the United States in that pre whatever that pre qualifier. And I think they kind of, had a little bit of a deer in the headlights in the fourth quarter, and they there. rolled so that's gonna Slovenia, be, and yeah. they, which is not easy. Um, so we're we're gonna, the semifinals are not going to be easy by any means. Like that'll be a good game, but five and one with that scoring margin, like that's kind of it in twenty twenty three. It's kind of what you expect for Team USA without, you know, 
I don't know, 10 of the 25 best NBA players. I don't, whatever, eight of the 25 yeah, and, best and, NBA players. And, and, you know, I think NBA uh, basketball is a little bit different than soccer. Ameri- where- I should say American NBA players. Obviously, many of the best NBA players are not American and thus play for other teams. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, you know, the United States gets judged by the Olympics at the end of the day, really, as far as winning a gold medal. Um, compare, it's different than soccer, where the world, I think the World Cup is more, you know, certainly the dominant of the two stages here um they qualify for the olympics as well as canada did um i think that's the goal i think that certainly winning a gold in the world cups one of them but i think getting to the you know where you don't have to go through the qualifying rounds next uh next year and the other thing i've liked about ant ant and josh hart who's starting i love josh hart but nobody is guarding him on the perimeter and he's not making enough threes to he's taking one three a game um to make them pay for it but him and Ant and Bridges, the level of off-ball movement that's happening, and you expect it from Bridges and you expect it from Hart, you don't necessarily expect it from Anthony Edwards when Jalen Brunson is running the show. He's making a lot of little subtle cuts along the baseline and also just kind of lifting up on the perimeter from like the wing to the top of the arc. And the attention he drew doing, doing that today against Italy during a Jalen Brunson pick and roll got Josh Hart a back cut layup uh I just like Ant is kind of rounding out his game all this the scoring gets all the attention he had 35 against Lithuania almost single-handedly got us back to into the lead got us within four um it's it's this the rounding out of his game has been interesting to me even like a guy like Brandon Ingram who's really struggled he's been kind of vocally unhappy at times about his role I feel like he's still playing the right way and not really for not forcing and not hunting points and I gotta tell you his numbers aren't going to blow you away because he's coming off the bench. I love what Bancaro has been doing as a backup five, as sometimes the four playing next to Bobby Porter, so even Walker Kessler. He just looks so explosive, so fast, and so confident. Like when he's the center and they give him the ball at the top of the arc and like let him kind of run the offense real briefly and he does his fake handoff drive, whatever, he looks like awesome. No, I agree. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think the Italian game, um, I think there was certainly a purpose. Uh, and that second unit that was with Bancaro and, and, um, and Halliburton, um, I think they were, you know, certainly, they were certainly, you know, difference makers here. I think it's going to be interesting, you know, and this will be a conversation for next year as far as who stays. And it's just a matter of what, of, what of the NBA elite are going to want to play in um in spain because it's in in france i mean because it's it's hard for me to see like jaron jackson on his team it really is i mean it's 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 you know guys like that um and i think that will be the interesting thing as far as for next year i I thought jaron jackson got off to an okay start in the world cup defensively you can see how scared people are of him just as they are in the nba i mean guys are Guy, when he's the drop man in pick and roll, our, our on-ball defender, so the guy guarding the ball handler, has gotten a lot of steals by dipping back into the passing lane from the ball handler to Jaron Jackson's guy rolling to the rim, dipping into that passing lane much earlier than you'd see in the NBA because that player, that defender, knows the guy with the ball does not want to shoot over Jaron Jackson Jr. and he's going to pass it, and they've gotten steals because of that. But he's just fouled too much. He hasn't been on the court. And his rebounding, 
he just hasn't done a good job protecting the glass. And it's not even just because he's chasing block shots, which he does sometimes. There were a couple times against Italy where he just didn't, he did nothing. He didn't, he didn't try to block a shot and he didn't box out and kind of got overpowered. Like that just hasn't been good enough. And frankly, I kind of thought his pick and pop three, particularly with the shorter line, would be a little bit of a weapon at least or something that defenses would be, have to be concerned about. He's just not – he's not shooting very many of them, and defenses do not care at all, and he hasn't made very many. No, we saw – I think we saw a lot more in the, in the pre-qualifying games. We haven't seen really anything um, from that, um, you know, during – you know, at least – He's in, made two threes. In, he's two yeah, of seven in, from three. Yeah, in group play and then certainly in, uh, in, the, uh, in the quarters. Halliburton, 14 of 25 on threes. Just a show. That dude is a show. He's a showman. The Pacers are going to be fun um, this year with just running and gunning, Obi topping. I think I think people are getting a little ahead of their skis on just the sort of talent that they have. Like they'll be okay, um, but they're going to be they're going to be fun to watch. Um, and obviously, Austin Reeves has been an international sensation. Although it was interesting to see Lithuania kind of beat the hell out well, of they, him. And, they, and Italy tried doing the same thing. <laughs> they did. Italy tried going after him again too. And it, it you know Italy's you know certainly smaller smaller group and uh, but yeah that that's going to be interesting if um if uh if the united states gets germany um as far as if they you know targeting you know austin reeves and by the way i don't mean to disrespect latvia latvia has been really good yeah. they beat i believe they just beat serbia right no they yeah. didn't they, they beat uh, serbia maybe. in group play they beat somebody good um in group play and obviously they ended france with a with just a rollicking come from behind yeah. fourth quarter win they're playing really really well on paper, they're just not as good as Germany. And on the other side of the bracket looms Serbia versus the winner of Slovenia and Canada. So a lot of the heavyweights, despite Spain being out and France being out, are still here. Um, and so the World Cup, which is happening a whole world away, is about to get very interesting for people who haven't tuned in. Like U.S. will have, whether it's semifinals and finals or semifinals and consolation game, are going to have two really good games um, to finish out this tournament. Any other Team USA thoughts? No, I mean, um, I don't have anything. You know, I, I think I, I think it's a very easy team to root for. Uh, I think um, Grant Hill did a really good job putting this group together. You know, they went out after um, they lost to Lithuania, and everyone's like, "Wait a minute, why? You know, why didn't they address their? You know, they, you know, they certainly got out rebounded, and you know, the lack of bigs was there." And I was thinking, like, "Well, who? What bigs out there were there to select from? Like, what American bigs were?" Um, you know, you know, you, you, the Embiid situation is still kind of hanging over, um, you know, hanging over as far as what happens next year here. But I just didn't, I didn't, I think they did as best as they could. Now, um, this is an interesting thought exercise. American centers, like, yeah. like they're like, well, I mean, there's Anthony Davis, right? But he's a guy yeah. like that is not going to play of this stature is not going to play in this tournament, particularly with his injury, his injury history. No, you're looking at like Jared Allen, Nick Claxton, right? Guys like that. I probably. think they looked at Jared Allen. I don't know how yeah. seriously because he was there. Uh, the lat was he there for a qualifying? Was he? Oh no, he was there for the World Cup, right? Uh, I d- maybe last uh, time. Yes, maybe? he was. I think. Yeah. And Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Would would help on the glass. That's enough. That that's one. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, Draymond, if he wants to play in the Olympics, I think we'll get get some some look. Um, yeah, uh, Walker Kessler's not playing much. Towns is playing for the Dominican. Um, yeah, it's a good. That's it's an interesting question. Brooke Lopez would help with size and on glass. He's old though. Brooke Lopez yeah. is old. 
got paid a lot of money, man. Two years, $48 million for Brooke Lopez. Good for yeah. him. Good for him. Rockets still, still a little salty about uh, not getting <laughs> Brooke Lopez. Uh, do you have any, before we go, do you have a, one of the hottest, so there are a couple hot takes in the yeah. last 72 to 96 hours that I haven't addressed. One was Rich Paul saying on Gilbert Arenas' podcast, Gil's Arena, that uh, LeBron had it tougher than Michael Jordan because of the 24-7 um, news landscape. I'm just going to steer right around that one because I don't, I don't particularly care, um, to be honest yeah. with you, who had it quote-unquote tougher and why. Um, I, the one that got a lot of traction that I didn't expect was when Noah Lyles, the track oh, star, yes. went yeah. at um, – NBA players, or I guess I guess American professional sports leagues, for referring to their championship teams as world champions, it's the champions of the world. When did you beat the world? You just beat your league. Do you have any? Do you have any react? That got a lot of like. I didn't expect that to be a thing. That was kind of fun. Oh, the, the brothers of the NBA banded together, and I saw it was a Devin Booker and KD, and there there was a list of them here. Um, listen. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I guess what we could say 150 out of the 450 players are from other countries, right? So this is not a strictly American league where it's all American players here. Um, so this is a world type league here. Um, I think if you sent Denver over to play at maybe Real Madrid or I don't know, I mean, that's how we get, I guess that's how we determine it, right? We send them. Well, over, I was going to say, when are you allowed to be world champions? So world, so is the FIBA world cup world champions? I guess I, you're world champions. I, I, I if guess. you win the Olympics, are you Olympic champions or world champions? I, I guess if you win, you know, I guess it has to be that if you win the world cup, you're determined world camps or the Olympics. Um, not the, uh, not, not the NBA because it's, you know, that's infiltrated by a lot of non, Americans NBA champions, but is they, fine. but that, but that got these guys going. That Look, got them going. You, you'll be surprised to know that I don't really have a lot of emotion to give this one. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I think NBA champions is, is fine if it's going to really annoy people around the world. And I don't know that every team does it right. I don't. I, I, I think actually, if we looked banner by banner, like team by team. I do think some NBA teams, their banners say NBA champions and others say world champions. Do any say world's champions? Like, do, they, like <laughs> That was always so. a grammatical debate that I would have with buddies. We're world champions or the world's so now when champion. You're in, when you're in crypto in, uh, in November, Zach Lowe, and you have to look up in the, uh, at the banners and see, they might actually say world champions, I have a feeling, the, uh, the LA Lakers. Uh. I, I don't I don't care. I mean, if you're the if you're the if you're the NBA champion, you are the best professional basketball team in the world. Yeah. So if you want to say world champions, fine. NBA champion to me suffices. I just don't know what you're supposed to say when you are allowed to say world champion. Like, are, is the FIBA World Cup winner is the world champion of this year? And then I don't I don't I just thought it was kind of funny that these guys that everybody got very fired up about about a semantics issue. It will. It, it was good for um, late August banter. It certainly was. Is there anything we should have talked about with Giannis? I mean, I know we talked about oh, it. Listen, his comments being I, important and the yeah, extension. I, mean, like, and, I think there's a lot of. I mean, I won't go long and says, listen, he's extension eligible starting September 22nd. Um, we all agreed that there was no reason for him to sign. It's a three-year extension. I have it at 169. I know people have reported at 173. No, who cares? Um, at the end of the day, he's not signing the extension because re in reality, it's only two years of new money. 
right? When you look at the, the opt-in number, the opt-in number is basically being replaced by another, like a $2 million more in salary. So it's it's two million, two uh, two years more. I think next year will be more interesting based on because he'll technically he'll be going into the last year of his contract. I think the biggest thing with Giannis is what's going to happen in late February with Drew Holiday. I think that because that is when Drew Holiday is extension eligible. You nailed it. Without an extension, he goes into free agency in 2024. Is probably the, the top him and you know certainly some of the the restricted guys, Tyrese Maxey, one of them as top as as the top point guard here. I think that is going to be interesting to what happens with him. But the article um, that was in the New York Times is just interesting based on you know the not the extension part but the other comments right like as far as what this team will be looked at. Look, look like um, because the reality of it, it is an older team. You know, you you brought back Chris Middleton, you brought back Brooke Lopez. Uh, yeah, I thought you know did a nice job with you know with their with their bench. Um, you know, certainly guys like Malik Beasley, they they you know were able to sign for the minimum, and they brought in um, and they re-signed Crowder, and they still have uh, Bobby Portis, guys like that here. Um, point guard depth is, I would say, probably questionable um there and non i would go so far to say non-existent yeah um yeah, which no is one. you could argue who cares because right. drew holiday is kind of a point guard chris middleton is often a point forward and yep. to me that's the story of the team is mm-hmm. middleton's got to be back to being middleton who played well in the playoffs but he's got to be yeah when the going gets tough we can hand him the ball and feel good and Giannis yep. is point Giannis sometimes too yeah, I mean, so I, you know, I, I would, if you're in Milwaukee, I wouldn't get caught up that he's not signing it. I just think you get, I would, I, as you, we've talked about, like you pay attention to where you have a rookie coach and Adrian Griffin. I mean, that's the reality of it. Um, where well, you Giannis are, helped pick. Yeah, where you are during the year, and I think hol- the holiday possible extension in late February. I think you circle that, um, and you just kind of it's a it's kind of like a day by day world as far as the temperature of uh, of of Giannis, and also. Whether Holiday resigns, extends in February or not, yeah. how these guys perform in the playoffs? Because Drew yeah. Holiday offensively in the playoffs, even the year they won the title, was shaky, and the, la- uh, the years around that has not been good enough for as great as he had defensively. And part of that is he's guarding the best guys and expending so much energy doing that. Yeah. And we saw the team just fall on its face so many times last year against right. Miami. And then, yeah, you can tell me Giannis was hurt. The team still was up by 20, 15, 16 in these games in these fourth quarters. It could not do anything offensively. Um, so we'll see. All right, Bobby Marks. We got oh, Bobby Marks. We didn't get to it because it's not. No, it's, it's, it won't come out till I think next week. Um, we're, we're in this NFL period here, but we've got a big Supermax article coming out. Um, a, a, I think a, next uh, next week. Uh, what is that? The week of the 12th, I think. Week of the 11th. Where, listen, this year is historic, man. Like this is, I haven't seen it that this top heavy of potential guys. We've got eight guys potentially could be Supermax eligible based on if they are an all NBA um, this upcoming year. And it certainly starts with Luca, um, who could sign in 2025. Um, if Luca's he healthy, he's making all yeah. NBA and, and Shea Gildress Alexander is another player because he had made it this, this past year. So that'd be two years in a row. Um, and then you're looking at De'Aaron Fox and Jamal Murray and Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, I think is interesting, you know, certainly. Um, and then Jaron Jackson based on defensive player of the year. I think what's going to be interesting Zach is what happens and some of those players, the Bams, the Jackson Siakams will be impacted by positionless voting. I mean, that's the reality of it here where there's no, you know, there's no center for, for Bam out of bio where he might have to rely on winning like defensive player of the year. 
which is which is part of that part of the criteria. Well, they also may. I was talking to someone about this, um, kind of more on the player side. They also may be helped by the sixty-five game minimum yes. threshold yes. because that is going to take some of the older players out of it due to rest. And you're like one ankle sprain away from you rest eight games, you're injured eight games, you're out. Yeah. And a lot of these younger guys who maybe don't have the rest games built in are are going to maybe be elevated be, in part. Because of that, Jamal Murray, I believe, is extension eligible now, right? Yeah, Already. he is. He's three for one forty-four up until October uh, October twenty-third. Um, so is um, you know Donovan Mitchell, which I don't see that happening either in in, um, in in Cleveland. And you're right. I mean, the rest factor is the games criteria uh, because some of the older players, it doesn't matter to them, right? They've already hit the ten years of service. There's all NBA type it's basically just the honor of being named all nba there's no like i don't think football. lebron is gunning for 65 games no it doesn't matter it does it, you know there's there's not an added bonus except that it's part of you it's added to your resume now you mentioned luca would not sign till 2025 yeah so so luca and and, and gilders alexander it's, it's kind of like the i guess we call it the jason tatum rule where they will meet the criteria but they'll only have six years of service so you have to have seven years of service but They'll still be eligible the following year because they have, will have hit it two out of three years here. Even, no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what happens. And the yeah. And so for those who hit it, you then that extension kicks in after the expiration of your current deal. So you can exactly. sign it the moment you're eligible, yeah. but it, it gets tacked onto the guaranteed seasons on your yeah, current total deal. of six years, including what's left. Those guys, there's some interesting like De'Aaron Fox. Did he make it last year? Yeah. He made it right. I voted for him. I think like Luca could be. I mean, who know knows that. where these numbers? Luca's going to be probably the first eighty million dollar guy. Look, if Luca's of all those guys, if Luca's healthy, he's yep. making All NBA. Like he's yeah. just he's just going to have the numbers. He's going to be enormously central to his team's success. If he's healthy, he's pretty much a lock. Yep. Um, if SGA puts up numbers like that again and stays healthy, he's going to be a borderline lock. I had him first team last year. Um, Ingram feels like a long shot that may be helped by the 65 game thing. Bam. Look, man, center. It's like, it's Jokic and Bede take two out of three spots. If they make the 65 game mark, it's, yeah. it leaves one spot and it's, well, no, because it's positionless, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that's the whole, like I said with Bam, it might be defensive player of the year. Oh, boy. All right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Bobby Marks, we got a lot to talk about. And we got a lot of time to do it. We will have you back soon. It's good to see you. Enjoy uh, New York City. Um, and uh, maybe the next time we talk, someone will have been traded to somewhere where they will be happier. Hopefully I doubt it's it. not Wednesday morning because I'm flying home. So if we can yeah, I think you're going to be I think you're going to be safe. I think you're going to be safe. Bobby Marks, everybody. Thank you, sir. Exactly.